Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah, we just had to kill the uh, the air conditioner there, though. Are you cool with that, bro? You can leave it on if you want. He was getting cold. He's he's oh, fr- he's frail and uh, chilly. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We just so we have a guest today on the show. I thought you were about the. Oh, that's uh, how we're gonna sound. start it off. We're gonna start frail and gonna chilly. S- <laughs> we're gonna start it off with the frail bones alcoholic Mookie Thompson. No, no, just kidding. managing. Just kidding. Um. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, what's up, man? I was just listening to this show this morning, and now I'm here. Fucking trippy, man. Whoa, yeah, that is pretty trippy. So, do do I am I like a different person in like the audio realm yeah, than I am in the in the actual face to face realm? You're much better when I can't see you. Yeah, that's why sure. I get that a lot. Actually, yeah. yeah, people tell me that a lot. Uh, recently, someone told me that uh, they had a different. Imagination of what what I looked like from the sound of my voice. Well, no one would come up with this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like what? I don't think that I have. I have a very like spaghetti and meatballs kind of look, but like my voice is kind of heavy on the meatballs. Yeah, heavy on the meatballs. (laughs) My voice doesn't really match that. Yeah, your voice is comforting, but your appearance, oof. Yeah. Really, really throws you off. Nice, soothe, relaxing voice. Maybe if we were tripping and someone was freaking out, I could calm them down. Maybe. Yeah, probably. But I probably wouldn't though, because it would just be too much entertainment to freak them out. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be talked off a ledge by a meatball <laughs> while I'm in the middle of a trip. What do you mean, like Aquatine Hunger Force? You ever watch that? That would be terrifying. Is yeah, but that'd be pretty cool. Meat- yeah, I guess that'd be pretty cool. And then if you jumped, you just land in the meatball, and you're all good. Yeah, man. This is... um, Landing in the meatball. We can do whatever we want, man. This is my show. There's no rules, no regulations here. Just saying, people are going to get a lot out of this meatball conversation. I think they will. I think they really will. We should just telescope into this deep and just figure out how far this meatball theory goes. Well, think about... People need to know the truth. Yeah, I mean, it starts with a conspiracy. You know, meatballs originally were just Italian turds. Yeah, meat was never intended to be served in a ball. No, it That's, wasn't. No, it that, was... The, that it is was, a human construct, for sure. Yeah. But uh, some people think they might be extraterrestrial. Yeah. So <laughs> Actually, I have this... Uh, there's like this old movie about Martians where they look so much like meatballs, and I swear to God, I couldn't eat the shit for years when I was a kid. What's the I movie terrified. called? You remember? Well, it's a really shitty thing to bring up since I don't know the name of it. Damn. Can't do that. It's a canon film. It's some old like, like exploitation. Canon film? Yeah, you know canon films. They made all those like action movies in the eighties and like Bloodsport and all. That oh stuff. yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, he's not in the Meatball Alien film, but 
I think he really could have brought something to it. Is Bloodsport the one where he's like, uh, he he throws the sand in his eyes and he can't see at the end? Is that the that, one? That's pretty much all of them. I always get Bloodsport and Lionheart confused because they're both very similar movies. They came out at the same time. You know what I'm talking I feel about? Like Kickboxer's the same way. Too. And Kickboxer they're too. All that's the same right. Movie. It's that it? whole era, man. They were just they, they had no plot. It was just explosions, and that's kind of where all that shit came from. Like the Expendables and stuff like that. They're mimicking yeah. canon films, which they were like a company that was never supposed to make it. You know what I mean? And yeah. They uh, that shit just caught on. No, worldwide. no creativity in the in the eighties. No, no one was expanding their mind. Everybody was was constrained and forced into a. Dull life by President Reagan and his bitch cunt wife Nancy. Yeah, man, they were rolling our meat up into balls. Yeah, they to were. Control us. They were. They were. They were. They were treating our our brains like meatballs. Anyway, look, we got a great guest on the show. Good, a good friend of mine, Mookie Thompson. Mookie was a writer for uh, Lucas Brothers Moving Company. Mm-hmm. Recently. Did a MTV uh, show. Why don't you tell the people? Yeah, uh, I was on an MTV prank show called Bugging Out, which yeah. is on MTV International, whose slogan is Everywhere But Here. So, <laughs> so, so you're big in Japan. I'm like huge in uh, Portugal right now, but none of my friends believe I'm on TV. Nice. Portugal decriminalized drugs. Good place to be. Oh, huge nice. In. I should just head down there and just be go by the name of Mr. Prankman and live like a king. You could totally do that, yeah. And, and what else? You, what else have you been doing recently? Got some... What else? I feel like you always have some what good else? shit going what on. What else? I'm um, doing stand-up. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like in between pranks right now. <laughs> so well, actually, like, th- this is a prank show. Uh, the microphones aren't even plugged in, so... Ha-ha! Oh, <laughs> gotcha! Yeah, that's not how you <laughs> prank someone, man. Take it from me. If you're not getting punched in the head at the end of it, then no prank is taking Could place. Could you tell uh, maybe a story from uh, your prank experience? Excuse me, Budweiser burps. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, Moogie's drinking a, uh, what is this, like a 16-ounce Budweiser can or it's something It's not like enough, that. I'll tell you that much. 25-ounce. Nice. Yeah, man, I'm just trying to get my day started. Is that okay with you? It's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's the crack of three. Actually, on my way over here, I saw some crackhead on a bike rolling through the streets, and he was yelling, It's 3.30, y'all! It's 3.30! <laughs> And I was like, what is this guy doing? He said, and that's your hood time. And then he just kept on riding. I was like, that's amazing. I never considered how homeless people find out what time it is. But apparently this guy is doing a nonprofit. <laughs> doing a public service announcement uh, yeah, for the community. Letting people know. You know, sometimes they help you out. You know, sometimes they help you out. Yeah. The homeless. So don't discount them. But, um, yeah, I was going to tell you a quick prank story. Um, people were furious. that It was all, like, technology-based pranks and um we specifically went out of our way to get like big reactions out of people. And the last day of shooting in the field was uh, the same day as the Brussels attacks. Ooh. And my producer decided to be a not good a idea prank. to do no. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, we got to you. <laughs> well, I don't want to get into that. Okay, go ahead. So my producer thought it would be a good idea to do this bit where I go steal people's information from their computers, quote unquote. So I was going around. So this is watch- a last minute idea. Yeah, last minute idea. I They bought me a digital thermometer, which is just like a ridiculous orange thing with a laser that comes out of it. And I had a speaker in my pocket, right? So I'll go to people's computers in the park and the speaker would start going like, 
like it's transferring information. But it's not really doing anything. Doing nothing. Yeah. I'm shining this ridiculous laser on their right. computer, and then I go, 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 we got the passwords, go! <laughs> and so people were literally chasing me across the park. like to, and so In New fi- York? It, yeah, it's in Washington Square. Okay. Oh, it's, that's a crazy park yeah, to do it in. And it's like, the park is packed out with people. Finally, this one girl, she must have been like 20 years old, college chick, like wearing sweatpants and stuff, definitely on her day off, sitting in the park. She chased me down and started punching me in the head and digging in my pockets. And, like, I didn't fight back. And I just, like, took it because, like, you know, she's not hurting me. Right. And I started yelling at her, chill out, bro. I just took your passwords. And that only made her more furious. She's like, what the hell is that in your pocket? What is that? Do you know what the fuck happened today? Attacking me. And they're filming the whole time? Filming the whole time, yeah. This is going to be in the show. (laughs) So, finally, they calm her down. Uh, she refused to sign a release, threatened to sue us. Whoa! And the reason she got so angry is because she called her bro. She <laughs> apparently she worked for CBS News and had Ugh. massive amounts of confidential information on her computer. So she just thought that I was just like a white-faced terrorist coming through there to take all the stuff about fucking whoever her boss is on her computer. Yeah, but, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. The emails. You got the emails. I got Mickey. the emails. I got them all. Oh, I have the documents. They're, they're all inside my thermometer. So, <laughs> so what, did it hurt when she was hitting you and stuff? No, not at all. I mean, it was like, you know, and it, it, it was amazing to me that she was brave enough to like. Right. She thought that was real. Yeah, and she took it upon herself to just enact street justice. If I was really some kind of maniac stealing people's information, I would have killed her. <laughs> right. What was she thinking? She did what not if you just turned around her. and just... Or what if I just swung my manned hand towards her head one time? What if I fucking ended her career in yeah. news? <laughs> right, right. That's. I wow, always that's find it crazy. astonishing when I see the old lady trying to wrestle her wallet back from a bunch of muggers. It's yeah. crazy. What are you doing? There's you're no gonna, good that can today. come of that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's true. But you know, I guess it was important to her, you know, to to risk it to go after you. Yeah. If it was me, she probably wouldn't think. You know what her problem was? She didn't know what a kitchen thermometer was. <laughs> that's yeah. the problem with 2016 women. Well, yeah. to be fair, it was it was an industrial issue, but you know, not yeah. your not your everyday mom thermometer. Cool. Well, that's I mean, so that's gonna be on the show, and that's the one where you had to record like it's a prank, it's a prank. So she finally did like. Let you guys use it. No, she she did not. Oh, so it's we're not going to be on the show. It, no, it will be on the Ooh, show. Ooh, yeah. yeah. MTV, a, the, fuck you yeah. to the man. It's international, man. She's never going to be able to find it. Literally no one can see this show. Okay. So well, we might have some international listeners. So where where is it airing? Like everywhere it's but like the United like States? It's like in 117 countries or something like that. So, okay. yeah, it's all over the place. I, I mean, know you can probably watch right it now, online, like, MTV right? Asia, MTV UK, it's in Brazil. I don't know. Yeah, you could probably watch it online, but... Don't bother. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Really selling your I'm show there. Yeah. No. Cool, man. Yeah, it was one of two times I got beat up. And it was, you know. Yeah. What was the other time? I got attacked by an old man, but I was kind of harassing him, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. But, so were you any time that you were, uh, were doing this stuff? I mean, it seemed like you had a pretty chill uh, group that you were working with, right? I, I know you were working with a couple other comedians. Were you guys, like, getting to, like smoke during during the sessions and stuff like that was it like lax like that or were they like pretty strict about it oh yeah man i was high on drugs the entire process yeah and that's why we're here folks all the way through yeah what uh we were talking before the show we were talking about like what we're going to talk about 
microdosing is yeah. what we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So what's what's been going on with that? Tell me tell me a little bit about that about that. What's been going on with the microdosing? I I like to microdose shrooms. I do it a lot. So not many people might uh, know exactly what microdosing is. I think a lot of people think when you're taking psychedelic drugs that you're always like doing a big batch and you're freaking out and exactly. tripping. You know, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions, especially about shrooms. Is right. that you need to eat like a handful and you need to like block out a weekend. And like strap yourself to a bed. Five so, yeah. dried grams in <laughs> silent darkness. Exactly, dude. Yeah. That shit is crazy. That's that's too much. Like, oh yeah, I went there. Uh, I went there a I couple mean, times. Yeah, I've done it yeah. myself. But it's like yeah. you don't need to put yourself through that level of torture in order to gain some <laughs> like good experiences from psychedelics. True. Uh, as but, I was telling you in the elevator before. Um, it's funny, you're like, yeah, I, I am always trying to kind of like improve myself and better myself, and it's a struggle. It's a it's a real struggle because um, it, it, it's it's like it's funny. I had this like profound experience on like I had like six grams of mushrooms and in my room, and I was in darkness and all this thing, and I was trying to have this crazy profound experience, and it was. I know you're you're laughing. It's funny because I'm laughing had, only because I know what happened. Y- you know right. what happened. <laughs> And so, so basically what happened was I, I decided not to tell my roommate that I was going to be taking a large dosage of As you psychedelic should. No one mushrooms. needs to know. It's like, it's like well, you're jerking off for six hours. You don't want anyone to know that. <laughs> it's your personal It might have been a good idea because what happened was I proceeded to have a – really just like insanely profound experience i mean i was you know the lights the colors the everything uh, you know the, i was just in this like other space it was like otherworldly you know and sometimes when i take mushrooms my my stomach gets all fucked up you know so when i, I just like started hearing the sound of water f- splashing around and i'm like i i don't know what it is i don't know what's going on so i just pissed myself yeah. <laughs> Stripped naked, ripped my covers off, and wait, wait, wait. had to you go to sh- the- You stripped naked after or before after, you pissed yourself? So you just pissed. Pissed on my bed, like full all release. my clothes, full release. Because I am like, you know, and I'm just like, ugh, my eyes are bulging <laughs> out of my head, my jaw's moving around. I have this warm, euphoric feeling everywhere. I just, I'm just out of it so i'm in another universe you know and um and so i go to open i fling my door open and i walk out of the room i look like a madman just like you know like coming out i'm like i see the lights are on my roommate and his girlfriend are on the couch watching a movie (laughs) watching cider house rules Good night, my princes of Va- of Maine. <laughs> Get out of my way! I'm gonna shit everywhere. <laughs> so they're watching the movie Life of Pi, and there's like it's a scene. You know, he's 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 in the water the whole time. It's in a boat, so that's what triggered me to like uh, go off. So and I'm like, because you know how you absorb whatever's like around in your so environment. So somehow in this, you're blaming your roommate's film choice. For yes, your insane yes. behavior. Yes, it yes. was the water in the movie, yeah. dude. I mean, I'm on. I eat like six grams of of, of mushrooms, and I, I want to rip my skin off. I'm oh, like, yeah. holy shit! So I go in the bathroom, and you know, my mind is all over the place, um, totally hallucinating, but I could still keep it together to like get what get done what I have to get done. And I just stayed in the bathroom for like three hours, 
And I'm just like shitting and puking and pissing. And it's absolutely awful. It's just absolutely awful. And the whole time that this is happening, I hear this like little like voice in my head of like what what Terrence McKenna has explained before about like these elves, you know, like the elf the elves. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Um, the, I originally set my intention. Like I, this is all McKenna induced. So I listened to Terrence McKenna McKenna and he was like, you know, you have to ask the mushrooms to show you and all this stuff. So prior to like, Earlier on in the trip, I was saying, show me, you know, I was in my room going, show me, show me. Like, I'm some fucking, like, you know, experienced shaman or something. So now I'm in the bathroom and they're all going, they're mocking me. They're like, hey, show me. <laughs> You're like, you want us to show you? This is what you get, motherfucker. And it's just a big cosmic joke. Here I am, just a sack of shitty meat, just like exploding out of every orifice while normal human beings in the other room are partaking in normal human activities and I am just a disgusting mess. Do you know what some people call that? Enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get, we're going to get into the microdosing stuff in a second but actually I want I want to get well, your op- to- I want to get your opinion on this because you recently did a short with another comedian. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Davo Matthias, right? Well, David Olson, and depending on what he's going by now, it's pretty funny. I watched it online. It's um, about smoking DMT. Yeah. So tell me about tell me about that. Well, like it kind of ties into what you're saying there about how it's all just a big joke. Like I think these like profound, like life changing moments that everyone talks about on psychedelics is like it's definitely all in your head, and you do have some sense of that. But it's like at the end of the day, you're just getting super fucked up. And it's like, that will give you a new perspective on anything, I feel like. You know right. what I mean? I'm not right. trying to discount like the things that psychedelics do for you. But um, yeah, so we made this little movie. It's like one guy who does DMT constantly and another guy who's never done it. And then just kind of like going back and forth talking about all like the preconceived notions about what it's going to be like. Like right. everyone has these ideas like you're going to see these gods, you're going to see this, you're going to see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is kind of, like, over-exaggerated right. in a lot of ways. Do you think a lot of it is, like, we've heard so much, like, the stories, the machine elves, the geometrical yeah. spaces, you know, the, the woman's face, the all this stuff. We've heard all this stuff, and then we have these expectations, and then when we do it, it's like almost like, are we creating that because we have already heard it? Or is it like, oh, it's really real, and that is what's really happening? Well, I think what it really is is you're... Your brain, when you're in that state, like a serious psychedelic state, it begins to communicate with itself. Right. Like parts of your brain start kind of communicating and internally you personify those like different parts of your own mind to a way where they kind of start to seem like they're some sort of greater being or something like that. You know what I mean? It's you like, need it to like make sense to you. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're seeing elves. McKenna talks about elves. Everyone talks about these galactus like beings on DMT. Yeah. You're not communicating with aliens it's your brain talking to itself and creating characters just like when you're in a dream right just like yeah like even you telling me that long story about your trip is like listening to somebody tell us a trip story is like hearing your friend describe a crazy dream <laughs> right it's like right. you weren't talking to your dead grandfather that was you talking to yourself like you're playing both sides you know what i mean yeah but part of it is your subconscious so you're not like consciously controlling that 
And that's like I've had like a crazy trip where like I literally stared at the ceiling and had conversations with what I felt to be God for like hours. Right. But then like coming down, really thinking about that, that was me talking to my own subconscious mind and like getting into some like deeper truths about me or whatever. And it seems like it's a deity or whatever, but it's just like the deeper inner workings of your own mind. So do you think it's like a joke? Like, do you think it's like a cosmic joke? Like, is it, is it, is it just all you? And if it is, does it matter? Like, isn't it real if you experience it to be that way? Like, like myths that we tell, we tell like stories, we have like traditions, like ancient cultures have all these myths. Maybe they're not real, but they're stories, they're useful, and they serve a purpose, yeah. you know? I, absolutely. But I think it comes down to whether you believe in like a subjective or an objective view of reality. Like, I think the number one thing that psychedelics taught me is that every single thing that you perceive that is your entire reality. Like there is no actual exterior world per se that you are interacting with. Your own perceptions are creating every single bit of the world that that you're interacting with. Right. And and I love I love that. Um, there's this author Robert Anton Wilson. I've been getting into him. He's fucking awesome. He's he's hilarious and he's like he's dead now, but he was hilarious. He's a philosopher, author. And um, he calls it like your reality tunnel. And it's like your your entire like whatever's going on in your head, you're creating your own reality, and that's your perceived world, and you're living in your perceived world. And there is nothing other than your perceived world. I mean, it's there, but you don't know anything of it. You touch this, you hear sounds, you see things. You know what I mean? It's all a reinterpretation of information that's coming in. Right, because I can't possibly know what it's like to be in your mind, and you can't possibly know what it's like and to be in my mind. Your eyes aren't like. Cameras, you know what I mean? It's not like a perfect uh, representation of what's out there. It's it's all going through filters and like being recreated into forms and shit that you can understand. You're seeing things differently than I'm seeing things. Absolutely, I believe that 100. percent Your version of red is different than my version of red. Yeah, my but version can... of beer is Budweiser. And, you know, yours <laughs> Mine is, is uh, less than. Yeah, <laughs> but we can both objectively agree that there's a brick wall here. Yeah, and it's brown. And that you know, I think that that brings in the uh, the debate. So do you well, see, there's the thing that's red to me. Yeah, it's a brownish red. It's a brownish red. Like yeah. we saw this with I that right stupid. You think you see this as bright red? Not bright red, but I go right to red. Like, oh, okay. There's not even a hint of brown in my mind. Wow, that's interesting. To me, it's brick colored. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brick there colored. is that. <laughs> but you're you. That's see, the easy way. Of my, and at it. My, my perception is, I see this more as being a brown than a red. It, you know what it could be like seeing uh like schools when you're younger they're all brick and they're red maybe that's like a that's that's you're recreating maybe it's that. conditioned yeah you just you love school don't you I hate it <laughs> we saw this like last year or whatever with that stupid dress this is the first time yeah, I've right, ever seen right. something like yeah, this on blue. like a massive scale millions of people are seeing this in the same exact thing in totally opposite ways that and, was the gold dress yeah, or the blue person, dress yeah. right? it's something that like we've all kind of thought before like oh maybe when I see red it's not when you see red but this is the first time ever that I know of that it was like on a massive scale like a huge debate about what the color of something is Yeah, and it's completely opposite and then like all these different studies were done. It's like your perception absolutely forms your reality. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like it, they should, they, uh, I read a study about some like jungle cultures. They, they see 40 different shades of green that we can't recognize. We see them all as the same as that color, but they know them so well because they need that for survival. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they ha- that's how they evolved. That's how they survived. Exactly. Yeah, throughout time. Um, but there's, there is like 
like this collective kind of consciousness that we form with each other to like agree on like things like we have to right yeah. otherwise everybody would just be living in their own fantasy world we all be schizophrenic nutcases yeah. and we wouldn't be able to accomplish anything yeah, I don't think it's like it's not that random. Whether like you know you see a brick wall, like I'm not gonna see a cheesecake, Ooh, but I just that just got, got you on, excited. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you wish. But why can't we make cheesecake walls? You know, wow. like ser- no seriously. Wait, hold on. <laughs> because then we don't eat them. Hustle. Follow me on this. No, follow me on this for a second. Because why? Why? When we all come to collectively agree on like how things should be created and made, and I think that like. If 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 we had more people that had a psychedelic mindset, we could have cooler creations in the world. Yeah, Instead but not of like everybody dull, should. Dull, like gray buildings and spaces. We could have cool. We need the dull gray people. We do. I think we absolutely. We do. need the manila folder think, uh, glasses like people. Psychedelic enlightenment is for everybody, and it's like it shouldn't be. Okay. So, and I think that's why, like, sometimes you have like your one dumb friend who never like fucked around with drugs, and he has a horrible trip. And never comes back to being the same because he didn't need that. You know what I mean? He's right. supposed to be a painter. Just let him go fucking paint walls and dig holes and never be enlightened. I think some <laughs> and lay people, brick. Yeah. Some people, yeah, lay cheesecake. Some people <laughs> need to be unenlightened, I feel like, for society to function properly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I always think it's like if it, like, calls to you, like, you should do it. Like, if you feel like absolutely this is something I should do, you know, um then you should do it. Like, I, I've, I've, fe- I've felt the need to do ayahuasca for, like, a long time. Have you done it? <clears throat> I'm going to Peru. I'm going to do it. Damn. Yeah. I'm making See, like, the track. I would definitely do it, but I'm not trying to be in Peru at the time. If I look up and I'm on that shit, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm in the woods in Peru. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so much worse. I need well, to, like, I think have a that- toilet nearby so I can shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I think I've of all the things that I've read, they said that you, you know, set and setting, you want to be in the proper environment. You want to be in, with like the natural. Anyway, I'm going to really like trusted, vetted place. Um, this, this, uh, this woman, Amber Lyon. She was like one of the people that recommended it. Amber, so. Amber Lyon. She sounds white as fuck, dude. She's, I do she not is, trust her. Well, she is white <laughs> as fuck, but she was a former CNN reporter. And it's funny. She her story was she went on the Joe Rogan podcast. Joe Rogan was like, "Yeah, you should go. You should do ayahuasca." Joe Rogan's never done ayahuasca. He's like, "You should go do ayahuasca." She literally packed her bags and flew to Peru and did ayahuasca just on a Joe Rogan recommendation. Damn. Joe yeah. Rogan also told me to buy new tropics, but I didn't <laughs> run and do that shit. <laughs> what is that? The, those brain pills? Yeah, brain pills, baby. Oh, it's God. all brain pills. I'm all of his see. success is attributed to brain pills that he's probably never tried. This is a good segue because talking about brain pills, we all were. We could use a little fucking help with our brains, yes, right? We like, are very dumb. Yeah, we're dumb. We're, we're we're not smart. And I don't know. Maybe I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Maddie just tried to drink his water. Perfect timing for a fucking idiot move. You literally pointed at him as you were talking about dumb people, and he's like, "Ooh!" <laughs> I felt it happen. At, like the sentence ended, and I was like, "Oh I'm a shit!" Little, I'm a <laughs> too little, late. I'm a little psychic from the microdose. Yeah. But but seriously, okay. So for the past, like, so I found out about micro. Dosing. I don't know where I found out about microdosing, but I found out about it somewhere, wherever. Um, it's kind of common sense, you know. If you like something, you could try just a little, just a little. That's taste. true. That's really what it comes from. Is like the first time I tried it was like, man, I really want to get fucked up today, but I got stuff to do. I'll just try a little bit of shrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is it, like? Explain that. Like when you do a little, because recently I've been doing microdoses of LSD for like the past like month. 
So how much are you doing? So I'm doing 10 um, micrograms. Yeah, that's a really low. That's extremely low. But here's here's what happened. So I was really interested in this. So I bought this book by uh, Dr. James Foderman. I think I'm saying that name correctly. Faderman, Foderman. Um, I heard him on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he apparently he was around in the '60s when LSD was legal, and they were testing it on like you know they were giving it to like scientists and like tech guys to like perform experiments and try and like solve problems so they were seeing if if that would help like to do that so he was around with like the leary crowd and like the um uh no not dennis leary no the timothy leary timothy leary and um richard alpert before he was ramdas you know when those guys were all doing that stuff um ralph metzner they were all at harvard and you know experimenting with this stuff before it was a schedule one drug and then so i bought this book by this guy james fademan he who was the guy who was conducting these experiments and he was uh he there's a section about microdosing where he talks about you take 10 10 micrograms every fourth day and there's all these stories in the book and all these like case studies and things like that and the inventor of LSD Albert Hoffman that's what I was just looking up at, yeah he invented LSD um he actually was was quoted as saying that these low doses of LSD could replace if it wasn't scheduled as uh so harshly as a schedule one drug that they could be like Ritalin or Adderall that they could replace them. And it's so true. I mean, I take these every fourth, every fourth day and it's just, I'm like zoned in, I'm locked in. I feel so alert, so concentrated, but with none of the side effects that I get from Adderall. And apparently that guy Hoffman took microdoses well into his old age and he lived to be 102 years old. That's true. That's so true. Like, there's no way that's not correlated in some way. Right. And another big proponent uh, of LSD was uh, Francis Crick who discovered the D- the DNA double helix. Oh, that's J- Francis Jiminy Crick. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Francis Jiminy Crick with Pinocchio <laughs> discovered the DNA double helix. Um, and uh, and Aldous Huxley, of course, the author of uh, Brave New World and, and all those uh, great books, uh, took LSD on, on his deathbed. Just died tripping. What a better way to go out. But anyway, so I've been doing it, and it's been really cool. And um, I think – So how often? You're doing it every four, Every fourth four day. Yeah. Every fourth day. It's yeah. Like every three days. I, yeah, I've been like keeping a log and, and stuff like that. And it's like – it's it's cool. I mean I, – I, I'm I'm a scatterbrain man. Like I'm totally nuts, and I feel like this really like enhances my cognitive abilities, enhances my focus. I'm able to read more. I'm able to like pay attention to things more. I'm able to communicate better. Um, not just the day that I'm on it, but the days following it too. Apparently, it's a very strong antihistamine as well. Go Is that figure. good for your, your immune system? No, nah, it's like your allergies. Oh, cool! Like that. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten allergies, so there you go. That's I think it's good. But anyway, so these benefits to like small doses are not just for like tripping out, but it's just kind of for kind of like feeling good and focusing a little bit better. It becomes What's more of like a background substance, which is like you know when you smoke weed or drink or something like that, you still like f- like function. It's like psychedelics. It's like having like a beer. Takes like one away beer. A, yeah, it takes away a lot of your functionality, which I think is like the part that I like the least about it. It's right, like, right. It's not 
a very comfortable experience a lot of the time. That's you know true. What I mean? Like if yeah. you ever try to do anything normal while you're really tripping, it's like very difficult. It's confusing. Like I tried to go to Starbucks and just get a coffee while I was like tripping on shrooms. I ended up <laughs> dumping a whole thing of soy milk like on the floor, and it was like I couldn't explain why I was behaving this way. People were like frightened. <laughs> It was like you should, you can't do normal shit when you're tripping. But like with just a little dose, it like yeah. becomes a background substance, and it just enhances everything else that you're doing instead of like taking over your life. Yeah, which I think is cool. Like I like to do it. Like you're doing mostly LSD. I like to do it mostly with shrooms. Yeah, only because like with LSD, it's really hard to control the exact dose that you're getting unless you're testing and shit i don't know yeah well i'm, I'm just saying that i you know um, uh, you're, you're getting guessing. it from a reliable substance and a, a reliable source and a professional scientific because even setting. if you're doing are you doing from water uh, or you got liquid or yeah apparently if the it's from the um sandos labs maybe you shouldn't even be saying this on the air well i mean it's you know i mean it's i think it's perfectly fine to talk about the FBI's and it comes swinging through the window right they're now. already yeah nsa fbi cia they're you know they're already you know doing that stuff. So, well it's funny because no, you they, have like 14 listeners on your podcast it's all government they're agencies. all government agents <laughs> they're like all right let's move well they, they they were the ones that were conducting experiments with the, with the stuff you know before it was scheduled as as such a harsh scheduling as a drug and obviously i mean you know there we know now of course with with uh having just time and experience there was a big movement in this country to overthrow the current power structure and they couldn't just you know they, they tried to criminalize they couldn't just arrest people so they tr criminalized people's behaviors so lsd you know psilocybin marijuana all these things became illegal and um, well, that's not the only reason it's not the only reason, the but there's a large part of it because too. at that time nobody understood what these things did. You know, well, what they mean? were testing. There them, was though. one out of a hundred people that took shrooms and jumped off a building, so like that's enough to scare the shit out of people. Right. Well, now thank God, now they were just that we scared. Have, they uh, don't know what the hell it was going to do to everyone. You know what I mean? If you took that shit once and you didn't know what it was, you'd be scared too. You'd be like, no one should ever get their hands on this. But let me get a bunch more. Well, that's true, but. They, I think that what they're doing now is good because we're, there's a lot of studies that are opening up, like um, Dennis McKenna, who uh, runs the Hefter Institute. They're like they're doing a lot of studies with uh, psychedelics for fat people. Yeah, yeah, they are. Why? No, Hefter Institute. <laughs> is that really what it is? It's the yeah, it's the Hefter what? Institute. Yeah, that's what it's called. That was just a, what I thought to be a very insensitive joke. Well, uh, thanks for injecting some humor into this podcast movie. Yeah, I mean, much needed. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Um, I can go back and do some of the older episodes. Yeah. Yeah, can you? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, what do you call it? Superimpose you in there? Yeah. Yeah, sure. But anyway, yeah, the Hefter Institute, like he, you know, they're 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 kind of like, they're the ones that are like taking the charge with with psilocybin with mushrooms. So they're like they're trying to, you know, see if it can help people with depression, see if it can help people quit addictions, which it has. There there has been. Oh, it's like, not case actually studies. for fat people. You're just. I got There's you. a lot of fat people with addictions, Mookie. Yeah, this guy right here, ah, being one of on. them. You know, you're 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 hefty at best. You know, I, I used to just get a lot of things in the uh, husky section at Sears when I was a kid. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hefter Institute. So there, that's good. And then Maps 
multidisciplinary yeah. association for psychedelic studies headed by Rick Doblin. Uh, I can't talk about this guy enough. He's just like the coolest dude. They're doing they're doing a lot of research. He's super chill, bro. He's real chill, bro. He's real chill. <laughs> but he's like he's one of these guys that's like doing it the right way. He's not like just fucking around. He's running a fucking huge institution where they're getting like DEA approval for things. They're getting government grants. So the it's t- obvious the that it's is, a matter of time until yeah until the shit becomes normal for medical use. There's that's so many. Should things. be There's yeah. So many uses for both psilocybin and LSD. Yeah. So many. But well, what do you think about the microdosing with mushrooms? Like, how do you feel about about that? Like, what what kind of effects does it give you? I think it's almost comparable to like edible weed mm-hmm. in a little in a way. Um, the way I like to do it mostly is tea. Like shroom tea, I can't I can't be a bigger supporter of. It's the absolute best way to take shrooms. Like, yeah. No matter how much you want to take, because like. You can you can make it as strong as you want. It's really easy to control the dose, and you don't have to actually eat the stuff. Which, like you were saying, it messes with your stomach. Yeah, it it extracts like ninety percent of the psilocybin out of the mushroom, and you don't ever have to actually digest that shitty poison. You know what I mean? So I like to make tea and just you know make it real real weak, and then you can just sip it. It it hits you within like fifteen twenty minutes. So it's like if you're not feeling it, you could easily just take another little sip or whatever. And it's cool, man. It only will last you a couple hours, and you don't get that screwed up. Like, you can just go actually live your life and actually experience the benefits of the psychedelics on, like, a regular person-to-person basis, where otherwise you got to be locked in your room pissing yourself. (laughs) You don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. But do you feel like, um, do you feel like your brain is, like, a little bit more open? Do you feel like you're thinking of new ideas? Like, you you feel more creative? I mean, you're you're doing stand-up, like, pretty much almost every night, right? You're going out doing shows all the time. Like, do you feel like it helps you write jokes or, like, just be more loose on on state or anything like that? It definitely helps with writing jokes. Psychedelics in general have so much with that because I feel like the most important part of being a stand-up is kind of like looking at the world and like being examining it you know yeah. what i mean like and what psychedelics does is like it kind of bypasses your ego which is designed to like make all all the things that all your judgments and all the categories that you put everything in it kind of goes past that and i think that's why you kind of see things in a new light like you're seeing them for the first time which i think is really important for comedy because it's like wait a minute this is off right here and like what most stand-ups most comedians do is pointing out shit like that that we've all seen every day that we're used to that's totally normal that is actually really fucking weird and way off and psychedelics lends itself to that completely yeah and like microdosing is fantastic for that type of mind state because you can still be present still be aware of reality still be normal and then still have these these glitches in logic that become apparent so do you do you take like Adderall uh, ever yeah, plenty of times okay yeah but I'm, so do you like taking Adderall do you feel like it's like helpful for you or is does it I serve mean, it you in a different on, way or? yeah absolutely way different way yeah yeah Adderall is like way less creative um it's not really a good thing for being creative I don't right think that's at what all. I always thought I always thought Adderall was like good for like if I just have a bunch of things I've been putting off and I just need to actually just execute absolutely, those things yeah. it's, it's it's execution is what it's all about like right. if I have like a script or like a joke or some shit that I that I've already got like the ideas for and I need to put it all into order and make sense of it, then it's great. And then it's like taking an idea and adding to it and rewriting and stuff like that, it's great for it too. But then like when it comes to conceiving things, I think psychedelics, there's nothing better for it. Than yeah, that. definitely, I agree. Oh, Adderall's like meth, dude. 
Yeah. It's like it's it's pretty much methamphetamine. I mean, it is. It, it is methamphetamine. It's it's, it's lab grade meth, and you know, <laughs> I'm mad at it. <laughs> it works, but it's I just mean, so insane. It definitely how... has its place, but it's not something that I would ever want to take every day. I yeah. don't think I don't know how people live like that. Like it kills your sense of joy. Like if I, I've had times where like I had a lot of work to do, or like if I no. had like a big writing week or whatever, take Adderall every day. By the end of the week, like someone will give me a, a present, and I'll be like, "Great, thank yeah. you." Like you lose the ability to feel. You know what I mean? And that's how it works. Like. The your like uh your excitement and like your your joy from things is literally dulled so that you're not thinking about doing those exciting and joyful things while you're doing your work. Yeah, I totally uh, have that experience too. Like, I just feel like a fucking loser after like doing Adderall a couple days in a row. You just soulless, just oh, yeah, yeah, empty vessel of just you become nothing. like a robot. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I know a lot of people that still take Adderall to just go to work. To just function at work, you know, because it definitely helps. We, we in that grew, sense, we grew up in like the Adderall generation. I feel like. I mean, I went away when I went away to college in Buffalo. I mean, you go to the Buffalo library on like a Thursday evening at like six. It was like that, like that. Fuck, it's like fucking crackheads just like peering out I mean, from the book. If just I like was, people scratching themselves, like eyes bulging out of their heads, bleeding everywhere, like. It's an insane scene. If I was living in Buffalo, I can't imagine the amount of drugs I'd be on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's what it, it is. You need safe. it. It's like, so we, we have these drugs that are like perfect. It's like, okay, well, you know, this is sanctioned. This is fucking FDA approved. This is what we're writing scripts like the out the wazoo. You know, doctors are like, yeah, Adderall, Adderall, Adderall. Just take it. No problem. No well, questions asked. It keeps asked. the wheels turning, man. It's like Adderall is, is great for society in theory because it keeps everybody working like worker bees. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why it's, it's fucking totally legal. It's prescribed like crazy. Right. Because it just keeps everything functioning. And then if you're like, if you're experiencing any pain, like do you, Jesus Christ, speaking As of pain, I am. holy shit. Oh, yeah. But if you're experiencing any pain, like we just found out, I did an episode a couple, a couple episodes back where I was kind of speculating that Prince died from opio, opioids, which is now like totally confirmed. He died of like an opioid addiction. So that's like another massive popular drug in our country, opioids. And like oxycodone, oxycodone, stuff like that. You have any experience with, with that kind of stuff? Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I have someone in my family overdose on that shit and died. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Um, I know some other people. I, a friend of mine named Psycho Joe, who is the reason they call him that okay, is because yeah. he fucking snorts this shit like it's going out of style. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I don't I don't like it. I don't, I don't fuck with painkillers at all. Um, but you you actually are someone that you have a a robotic leg, right? What's, yeah. what's the? <laughs> I have a metal a, rod in my right me- leg yeah, from yeah, my yeah. knee to my ankle. Like I definitely would be You're a candidate pain. if I went to like a pain management specialist. They would certainly a hundred percent be giving me oxycon. You like, smoke weed though. You're good. Right? Exactly. You but that's good. the thing. Like weed can immediately get rid of. All of that shit. Right. Like, I was actually uh, reading something the other day about how, like, uh, the things that marijuana can do for you, which is, like, it takes away pain, it takes away anxiety, it helps you sleep better, which is funny if you think about it, because really all it actually does is make you forget about what's bothering you. It's basically, like, you just chill out, 
and whatever your problem is goes away. It relaxes your mind. And it's kind of funny that it's it is a cure all, but it's not because of any of the reasons that people say. It's not like it doesn't actually treat your pain. It doesn't actually treat your anxiety, but it just makes you not give a fuck anymore. But that's so important though, because there's a lot of people that are just fucking insane and they need to just relax and Absolutely. calm down and stop freaking out yeah. and have a little bit like they should be allowed to like let themselves heal in the way that they choose to be, you know, healed. And also not just marijuana, but like hemp, like is part of the, the cannabis sativa plant can, has many uses too. So it was like, even the cotton thing. That's why hemp got illegal. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I always think, I mean, but there's just so many different reasons, right? I mean, anybody that's like, it's reefer madness, man. It's because black people were banging all our women. They would get (laughs) high and they'd become super, good at rap and then they would just take the girls and like it was that too right yeah reefer madness that was like oh my that was God. like a big thing that they pushed like in the initial uh illegalization of marijuana the reefer madness thing it said they turned black people and mexicans yeah it's a maniacs it was the original but it just made uh, them fucking party animals is what it did and what? that's terrifying Oh my god, dude, you're so right. It's just this white, like, puritanical fucking bullshit. It's fear. Fearful culture that of usually fundamental religious type people who are just straight laced, buttoned down, just boring, boring fucking people. John Kerry's and Ted Cruz's, these fucking assholes. That uh, that are so f- scared and paranoid about everything that they have to control us and point guns at us and tell us what to do and release these crazy propaganda things. Let's let's play this. Uh, but when in actuality, it's it is like black people make shit cooler. Like everything, like, like, like if you think just, they're cool now, wait till you see them stoned on a reefer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's this great, great. There's this awesome book uh, called. Um, it's by this guy Thaddeus Russell, and it's called the um, the Renegade's Guide to American History. And he just talks about it. it's like it's kind of like the People's um, History, like Howard Zinn book. Yeah. But he's like he's like this book is about like the low lifes, the degenerates, the alcoholics, the pot smokers, and it's all like just poor black people, poor Irish people, poor Italian people, all hanging out, all getting together, playing loud music and bars at night, like at the turn of the century, you know, all that like Sounds even before like my family history, dude. I mean, it's just like. Those are the, the, that's the real, that's how most people want to be. Most people just want to be free, having a good time, being able to smoke whenever they want, drink whatever they want, but that's drink the thing, whatever not, they want. They, we can't have that, though. We can have that. No. Let's play this clip from Reefer Madness, and we'll get All back right. to you on that, because I don't want you trouncing on my awesome point. <laughs> These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocently. Of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana. (laughs) Weed with its roots in hell. (laughs) In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless looking cigarettes. Harmless looking cigarettes. Something grown in your neighbor's yard. Sounds so non threatening. You will meet Bill. Who once took pride in his strong will? Bill, he sounds he dangerous. Oh no, he's grabbing that woman. The messed up part about this is that 
in like the 60s or whenever this came out, everyone saw this. I'm like, huh, pot gets you laid. 1936. No. I imagine the Bill character like twirling a mustache like an old school bad guy. But at a terrible price. Divorcery. Violence. Divorcery. Murder. Murder. She jumped out the window. <laughs> Suicide. Oh, yeah. That's classic. Oh no, she's playing the piano. She's playing like crazy though. See this important film now. And this guy's just having way too much of a good time. It is too late. Before it's too late. Oh my god. Tell your children. Oh, like it's unbelievable. Man, that made me really want to get high. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like this crazy, like, well, these people are having too much fun. Yeah, we well, got a girl do jumped out the window. Ah! <laughs> Marijuana. <laughs> it has its roots in hell. Yeah, we're. And we're down deep in the dirt below the Earth's core. It's dark where black people live. And it grows in your neighbor's garden. And he's probably a Mexican Jew. <laughs> they didn't even mention Jews in there, but it's all in the subtext. Oh, my God. Just, I mean, what are we going to fucking look at in that's going on in this time right now? And say, I mean, we're, we already have the... We're, it's like they're making it seem like weed is like bath salts. Basically, you can make this. We should actually make a video called Bath Salt Madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, bath Salts. Well, yeah, we're, we're probably going to wrap up in a little bit here, but uh, what, uh, what, what else should we get into before we, uh, we close up? Well, oh, that actually reminded about- me um, when he said uh, marijuana has roots in hell. Like, if weed is from hell, then are shrooms from space? They very Are well they? could be. I don't know. Some people have a theory that the way that the psilocybin mushroom spore ended up on Earth is that it rode an asteroid. And then, like, an asteroid crashed on Earth, and then psilocybin began growing here, and it is actually, like, a species from out of this world. I, it's, I think that's called uh, transpermia. Maybe. It's like there's it's this notion that like life didn't originate here that it came from somewhere else. Yeah. And that um are you familiar with uh, Terrence McKenna's book Food of the Gods? I haven't read it. I don't read, but <laughs> <laughs> I've heard him talk about I it. I do and it's hard, man. It really yeah. hurts oh. my head. Yeah, I know. But thanks to LSD. Thanks, LSD. <laughs> I learned how to read on acid. <laughs> yeah. See that that's what the commercials should be. Yeah, like, right. You know? <laughs> Two scoops for Johnny in the morning. But you got to be careful how far you go, you know, how far left For sure, you know? for sure. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people who are like pro-drugs, pro-psychedelics that go away. Like, every child should be given mushrooms on their eighth birthday. <laughs> on the full moon yeah. when the house of Mars. Like, quit is- your fucking job right now. Call your boss, tell him you're high and to go fuck himself. Do it. I mean, that's just not exactly the best message. I understand what you're saying. What, what do you think would happen? Obviously, this would never happen. What do, you, what do you think would happen if everyone in the world took mushrooms tomorrow? Or today, and then we woke up tomorrow? Man, the sewer systems would be flooded. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they took shroom tea. If everyone in the world took shroom tea, they might have a nice, pleasant like four to five hours. Probably watch uh, a movie or something. I just think it's impossible to have a profound 
mushroom experience and then come out of that and be like a fucking lunatic fundamentalist uh, crazy you know oh people do it man I mean that shit you are quote unquote enlightened for only a time right. you know what I mean it wears off if yeah you, the door if, opens for a little bit if you bit. do shrooms once like that I, that idea of like your like your ego being bypassed so like I was talking about before you get like a flood of serotonin it lasts in your brain for a couple of days but then you slowly float back down to normal and you just fall right back into your same patterns of belief. Most people, I feel like. Yeah. But you don't so think... Like, the only... Re- to make an acting change in your mind is like it has to be like a combination of like regular use, meditation, and like seriously examining what happened afterwards. Like you're the type of guy, you do that shit and you, you do a fucking podcast about it. You keep <laughs> yeah. a log. You right. know what I mean? The average person comes out of it like they just came out of a car crash. You're like, oh, what just happened? I think I saw my dad. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like they don't know what the hell happened. And then like there is some sense of like enlightenment that like it will affect their lives afterwards. But it doesn't make a lasting change unless that's what you set out to do. Right. You have to have the, the intention to set out to do that. And then you have to after the, the trip, you have to have the, the, the intention to follow through and integrate it into every area of your life. Yeah. I mean, that's why I started this podcast, because I had a profound experience, changed my life. And I was like. This is a better way to look at the world. Like, if I if if I'm able to go into like a a beautiful, like amazing, like blissful, euphoric, like psychedelic experience, and like have like what's only could be described as like paradise, heaven on earth. Why can't I take a little bit of that and try and implement it into like all the parts of my life? You know, to like absolutely make make shit better, make shit more fun, make shit more enjoyable, you know, have better words for shit than shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I think the takeaway is that, like, you don't see the world as it is, you see the world as you are. And psychedelics makes that abundantly clear. Like, you are experiencing the world in a subjective way, and how you treat things, like, reflects how you experience them. Right. So the secret, basically. No, not no, not the secret. <laughs> the secret is your fucking beliefs manifesting magically in real life. But there, you know, that is all based on an idea of like you know, you you are where you put yourself in the world. Yeah. Did you ever have a like a life changing psychedelic experience? Life changing. Where you? It was just like, like you're like, holy shit! I got that's that's it. I'm well, different. the first time I had a, like a serious trip on shrooms, I knew that I definitely wanted to take shrooms a lot. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was that. Right. But I would say probably, it's so fucking awesome. I would say probably the most profound trip I ever had was actually what some would consider a horrible experience uh-huh. because yeah, me too. Like, yeah, like it took too much. My roommate and I we took too much. It hit like it was like right at sundown. She was hitting. And we both started to have some seriously dark thoughts. So, like, we were both just talking about death. We were talking about, like, crazy shit. And I was like, I felt it coming. I had already done shrooms, like, ten times before this. But I was like, these are the early signs of what people call a bad trip. You know what I mean? So, it's like, we need to be careful. Right. But then, like, it just started to get deeper and deeper to the point where, I, like, I walked in his room and he's like, there's dead bodies in here. And, like, we started to get really fucking dark with it. And I was like... 
At this point, there is no turning back on this, like, dark, evil vibe. Like, we're not going to fight it and come back and just have, like, a great time right now. So let's just embrace it. Yeah, that's what we have to do. So I started playing, like, the most, like, dark, scary, like, metalcore music I could find. Just, like, converge, just, like, blasting it. And we lost our fucking minds. (laughs) I had, like... I sit. I sincerely remember seeing like blood dripping down from the walls. We were like fucking screaming. Like it's like going into a bad trip, like full on, head on, and not being afraid of anything. You know what I mean? Wow. And because of that, it got so dark and scary that we were both like crying and shit. And it by the end of it, a couple hours later, it just felt like this like golden light was shining through all of this like pain and darkness. Wow. You know what I mean? And it felt like a truly, like, redemptive experience to go through that and, like, embrace the sick, like, dark side of your mind and to, like, almost, like, get past it and come out. Wow. And, yeah, that was some sick The dark shit. and the light side of the force. So, I mean, that's, like, maybe a piece of advice. If you feel like you're having a bad trip, don't – if you get scared of it and, like, you try to fight against it, it might not – you're turn fucked. out, yeah, you might be fucked because yeah. you're not gonna win that fight. Right? It's like I like to compare. It's such it to an like, undeniable power yeah. that you can't fight it. I like to compare it to watching a horror movie or like a rom com. Like right. everyone takes their shrooms, they want it to be fucking super bad. They want it to be like a fun ride and like everything's crazy. Oh my god! But sometimes you're gonna get saw. You know what I mean? <laughs> it happens. That's true. It happens. That's true. And so like I was just like, okay, we're gonna embrace this. This is this is a horrific experience, but this is the same reason you go to the movies to see like a horror movie and you just embrace it and it's it's entertaining in its own I'm way. I'm just picturing and you, you and, and your roommate just like in your room, just like Master, Master We're both going like What the fuck? And it's like it came it actually turned into like a truly beautiful experience at the end of it. Where does that so and it's just all in your head and it just manifests somehow, some way. It's just vibes and moods like becoming so powerful that they take over. You go to like this insanely real place. And it's, really it's just so exploring much more the dark corners of your own mind. Right. Yeah. Maybe that should be the slug line for this podcast. Dark exploring corners. the dark corners of your mind. Be careful on psychedelics. You might freak out. <laughs> it's rooted in hell in your neighbor's Jewish Mexican lawn. Shrooms from space. Shrooms are for come. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Maybe we should just play this like McKenna clip. And we'll just we'll peace out of here, and we'll let you guys listen to this. Mushrooms are an extraterrestrial, uh, extraterrestrial probe from uh, outer space. Uh, uh, peace out. Oh, by folks. the way, they work better if you just put them right I up your butt. <laughs> you heard it here. You know, no. I think that we hardly have an inkling as to the real nature of the world and the real history of life on this planet. And, you know, we don't know uh, how narrowly channeled the manifestation of organic intelligence is. Does it always have to be in a body? Does it always have to be in a body that stands upright with binocular vision? I think the real task with dealing with extraterrestrials is to know when you've got one. It's completely silly 
to search the galaxy with radio telescopes for uh, a radio civilization. I mean, to my mind, that is as chuckle-headed as deciding you're going to search the galaxy for a decent Italian restaurant. I mean, it, it, it doesn't work like that. So, um, you know, the, if you think about the mushroom, try to think about it objectively, it looks to me very much like a good candidate for an extraterrestrial. First of all, you know, DNA has been known to us only since 1950, less than a century, and we're already involved in this thing called the Human Genome Project. Well, the real, what that means is we are taking control of the scripts that write human beings. It seems to me anything we would recognize as intelligence would pass through a phase of self-analysis where it would realize that it was made out of DNA and would then sequence itself. We're about to do this ourselves. Well, that means that most extraterrestrials will be the product of their own um, reflexive design process. In other words, an extraterrestrial that can cross the gulf between the stars must surely then be able to control its own form. Well then, if you look at the mushroom, it's a curious combination of artifact and entity. It looks sort of manufactured. There's very little fat on that system. I mean, first of all, uh, fungi are primary decomposers. This means that they are at the very bottom of the food chain. This makes the kind of vegetarianism espoused by Buddhists look like an orgy of slaughter, you know? Because if you're, if you're at the very bottom of the food chain, that is the only place that is absolutely karma-free. So there's the mushroom in the, occupying the karma-free position in the food chain. Well, then it's, you know, we've been reading about these huge mycelial clones spread under acres of soil in Michigan and Wyoming. Well, those things, what that is, is that's a cobweb-like network, and in the case of a psilocybin species, filled with neurotransmitter-like compounds. Can you imagine how many synaptic clamps there must be in a 1,500-acre mushroom clone? If if brain size is any relationship to intelligence, then hang on, Hannah, because uh, it means that this thing spread through the forests of the Midwest uh, has, you know, a brain approximate in weight to uh, a couple of dozen gray whales. Uh, the other thing is then the spore looks perfectly designed to sustain itself in outer space. If you want to store spores for longevity, you create conditions as close to the conditions in outer space as you possibly can. High vacuum, very low temperature. Uh, the casing of a spore is, is one of the most electron-dense organic materials in nature. So electron-dense that it approximates a metal well, global currents can form on the quasi-metallic surface of an airborne spore and they act as a further uh, repellent for hard radiation. 
So, and, you know, percolating through the galaxy at an ordinary rate typical of stellar material, a, a mushroom species could percolate from one side of the galaxy to the other in under 400,000 years. Well, that's lightning speed uh, compared to the size and age of the universe. If we were to gain the power to design ourselves, I think after a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, you know, Madonna and Robert Redford clones, we would probably move on to becoming something very much like a mushroom. It's, you know, mild, it's non-invasive, it's at the bottom of the food chain, it's virtually immortal, it's laden with neurotransmitters, and it's living in the imagination.